Welcome to Top Shelf Podcast for Friday, September 23rd. I'm Jimmy Haskup, finally back after a few weeks of being out. Well, not a few weeks, but a few Fridays of being out. And I'm here with Kevin Allen. We're going to talk some World Cup and start previewing the new NHL season. Kevin, how are you doing in Toronto today? Well, it's been terrific. Uh, you know, this was billed as perhaps going to be uh, the most uh, talent-laden uh, tournament that we've ever seen because of the fact that, um, you know, we don't have any filler here. There's no teams from uh, Latvia or from uh, countries that, uh, you know, don't uh, have uh, enough talent to, um, you know, to fill a roster full of NHL players. And uh, we've seen, uh, certainly seen uh, that here in the first few games. A disappointment, obviously, that the Americans are out um, that sort of takes away a little bit from the tournament that they uh, you know didn't reach uh, the semifinals but you know we have a tremendous uh, Canadian team and I want to talk to our special guest about that but you know maybe one of the greatest uh, Canadian teams ever you know put together and of course Team Europe has been a, a surprise as well reaching the uh, semifinals and you know everybody was talking about the, the North American team uh, uh, that it didn't reach the semifinals but it was very very impressive so Let's get right down to it and start talking about it with our guest. And our special guest is Bob Duff, sports columnist at the Windsor Star. We're going to try to get him on for the entire show about 20 minutes before he gets to the uh, U.S. border. Right, Kevin? Absolutely. Bob uh, is a columnist, so he covers uh, you know, all sports, and he's heading over to do the Detroit Tigers uh, game. And, of course, they're in the middle of a, a pennant race trying to uh, – I shouldn't call it a pennant race. It's actually a wild card race. They're trying to get in the, uh, to try to uh, make the playoffs uh, with that final wild card. But, uh, you know, Bob and I have a, a long relationship. Uh, we've known each other for many years. We've written, uh, you know, books together. He's one of my favorite people in the hockey world. And uh, so, Bob, uh, welcome uh, – uh, to our show. Oh, it's an honor to be my make my first appearance on this wonderful show. <laughs> we appreciate that. Well, let, let's, for all of our guests, Bob is on the phone right now, so if his service isn't 100%, that's why, just so everyone knows. Bob, let's get right into it. Uh, you know, what I should have said is Bob is also one of the leading uh, hockey historians uh, um, in Canada, knows, uh, you know, pretty much everything there is to know about about hockey history. And that's where I want to start, Bob, on this, you know, World Cup. I, I've watched this uh, uh, team now uh, from Canada play three games, and I'm struck by the fact that when you look at the personnel it's on and look at their history, you know, guys like Taves and Crosby and, and Dowdy and Getzlaff, you know, you know, th- th- this may be, given what they've already accomplished, uh, you know, the best uh, Canadian team ever. Uh, you know, how, how do you view that? I think when you, you talk about this Canadian team, the one that I would parallel it to is probably back in the birth of the World Cup when it was known then as the Canada Cup in 1976. And you, you think back to that Canadian team, and you, have, you know, that was Bob Moore's swan song as a really elite superstar player. And you matched him up with guys like Phil Esposito and Bobby Hull at the end of his career. And then those Montreal stars that were just emerging, like Lafleur and Robinson. And Steve Schott, you know, Marcel Dion was on that team, Daryl Sittler. And just about every guy on that team is in the Hall of Fame now. And I think if you look at this Canadian roster currently, I have to think that almost all of them are going to end up in the Hall of Fame when they're done. 
And then for a follow-up, Bob, I, uh, you know, obviously they're going to have to play Russia uh, tomorrow night, Saturday, uh, at 7 o'clock in the semifinal. And, of course, um, the Canadian-Russell uh, rivalry goes back a, a long way. And uh, I think everybody knows that the Summit Series in 72 is pretty much intertwined with, uh, you know, Canadian hockey culture. Uh, people over the age of uh, 50 all know where they were when Paul Henderson scored the goal um, that won that uh, Summit Series. But, um, Bob, I just wonder, could you give us a, maybe your uh, favorite memories of the Canadian-Russian rivalry? Oh, I think 72 certainly was. And uh, a couple of my distant relatives uh, played in the NHL. Cousins Danny and Kevin O'Shea played in the early years of expansion. And before that, they played for the Canadian uh, national team and played in World Championships and Olympics and were well familiar with what was then the Soviet Union. And they relayed to me that this isn't going to be the cakewalk that people think it's going to be because everybody in Canada just assumed it was, wasn't how many games Canada was going to win. It was how many goals they were going to score in all eight games that they rocked. And they had played the Soviets a significant amount of time. They knew how good they were. And now they were both in the NHL so they could make the comparison. And they said, this is going to be a close series. I don't think anybody thought it was going to be as close as it ended up being, but certainly, to me, that was the greatest thing that ever happened to hockey because if we had gone in there and blown them away, none of the innovations we've seen that have come to hockey from the European game would have likely ever made it here because there wouldn't have been the respect for the the European game that was gained by that series. So to me, that's number one. And I, I also kind of, uh, in a perverse kind of way, enjoyed the the 6 nothing win by the Soviets in the 79 Challenge Cup and then even the 8-1 win in the 81 Canada Cup final because I don't like it when we get arrogant. And hockey's the one thing that Canadians tend to get arrogant about. I always joke with people, hockey's the one time when Canadians act, Canadians act like Americans. and Ameri- Hockey used to be the one time when Americans would act like Canadians and they'd just be happy to get a medal. But that certainly has changed. But I think it's good once in a while for Canada to get knocked down a peg so we get get too full of ourselves. Bobby, better watch out. You are on USA Today podcast, so be careful what you say about <laughs> Americans. Um, speaking of speaking of Canada, though, now I mean they've been the favorite throughout. They have shown nothing that would uh, lead us to change our mind. What could trip them up? Is it simply just an off game, an off game from uh, from Carey Price? I mean, is it that simple? Yeah, I mean, anything in a one-game showdown, you know, anything could happen. You know, Sidney Crosby could get injured. Uh, they could get into penalty trouble. You know, if you start giving the Russians a lot of power plays with Ovechkin on the power play, that's a dangerous formula to follow. So, I I would be surprised if they lost, but, I, you know, these, these teams, there's very little to choose between them, and if one of them is not on top of their game, the odds are they're not going to win, you know. As a Canadian, and I think in Canadians in general, we've looked at the semifinals as a win-win situation because you're either going to get to see Crosby against Ovechkin again or you're going to get to see Crosby against McDavid. So it's kind of like the current Crosby against the future Crosby if it had been that game. Uh, Bob, what about uh, the Swedes? If the Swedes get by Team Europe, I'm guessing they will. Um, the Swedes obviously on defense have uh, guys like uh, Eric Carlson and Victor Hedman and Oliver Ekman Larson and Anton Strahlman. I, I think their defense may be even more impressive than Canada's, which is pretty good as well. Uh, but do they have enough to challenge uh, Canada if they uh, should get in the final against them? 
Well, it's pretty much the same teams that played in the Olympics in uh, Sochi in the gold medal game, and uh, the Swedes didn't have enough for the Canadians then. But I think if it gets down to those two, you're looking at the two guys in net. They'd probably be the same two guys we saw in Sochi, Lundqvist and uh, Price, and whoever stands on their head is going to win the championship for their team. And in uh, Sochi, it was Price, and you know, maybe this will be Henrik's turn. Hey, guys, I have a question for both of you since we've all been following the World Cup. What went wrong with the, with Team USA? I know Kevin and I will probably discuss this further in other podcasts, but just just on your quick takeaways, Bob, you want to start? I just think that the U.S. is kind of in a transition scenario. They got a lot of veteran guys and then a lot of really young guys, and I think they're just in the midst of a kind of like uh, what Finland went through. You know, there's a transition from the old guard to the new kids, and it hasn't quite taken place yet. I still think when you look at the great young players that are coming up through the U.S. system, I mean, this is just a blip. It's not going to be a long-term thing. I mean, every, you know, it's kind of like Canada at the 2006 Olympics. We were dreadful there, and everybody panicked. And since then, we've won two gold medals. So, you know, it's, it, it happens to all the teams at some point. They all have uh, blips. I mean, the U.S. is getting all the grief, but you look at Finland, a lot of people expected big things out of them after how well they were at all levels in international hockey last year, everybody thought Finland was the next great team, and they did a proud fall as well. Kevin, what do you think? Well, um, the reason Bob and I can write books together is we think uh, the game uh, in the same way. We see it in the same light without ever talking about it, because I agree completely with what Bob said. I mean, I think this U.S. team, um, I, I think whatever expectation people had for uh, them uh, possibly making a run at the championship were probably a little bit misguided. I I just think ultimately when you analyze what happened, this team just wasn't good enough, and uh, for the reasons that Bob stated, I, you know, uh, the the group of Americans that that makes up this generation, a lot of quality players, probably more depth than America has had in previous years, but not enough at the top. Um, if you compare the top eight players on all the different countries, and you start talking about Canada, I don't even have to list anything beyond you know Crosby and Taves and Carey Price and Drew Doughty. Everybody knows they got you know this team is full, as Bob said before, of Hall of Famers. And I mentioned the Swedish defensemen that are on this team, plus Lundqvist, plus Backstrom, plus the Sedins. You know, again, a lot of elite level players. Even Team Europe starts with Anzi Kopitar, who's. Uh, you know, perhaps the best all-around center in the game today, both offensively and defensively. Zdeno Chara. Uh, they got Roman Yossi, a top five defenseman, Marion Hossa. If you look at this current U.S. team and you say, okay, best player is Patrick Kane, I guess Pavelski's number two, and then you go, well, who's number three? It's, it's hard to come up with three great players. A lot of really good players on USA, but not enough great players. And I think those great players are coming with Austin Matthews, um, with Jack Eichel, with Dylan Larkin, um, uh, Warinsky, who's going to play this season with the Columbus Blue Jackets, is going to be in that group. So I think, as Bob said, they're in a transition right now. And uh, although we want to point blame at you know what players were were chosen, and you know it is true that you know it, maybe they didn't get their best roster, and if they would have had their best roster, they would at least had maybe a better chance. But I don't care if you added Tyler Johnson and Justin Falk and Phil Kessel. This team really, in my mind, wouldn't have been good enough to compete with Canada. So I, I, I think that's the issue, and I think it's, uh, you know, it's cyclical. And the America's time will come. It's just not now. Kevin, one more follow-up for you here. Does the 
uh, USA's process in terms of how they build a team moving forward from the top to the bottom, from the executive level to the coaching staff to the players? Does that change after, uh, I mean, I guess we can call it a disaster of a tournament here? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's fair. I mean, I think you got to look at that and just say, hey, um, you know, what is the uh, – um uh, the, what can we do uh, to sort of change the process to assure that, um, you know, we do see the, the absolutely best team um, uh, named? And I, I think they'll do that. I mean, I think USA Hockey will sort of sit down. And what's interesting is the way this team was chosen was a little bit different than way that was chosen for the 2014 um, uh, Olympics. You know, that was a much larger committee. And this team was really a three-person committee with Dean Lombardi and Paul Holmgren and Brian Burke doing almost all of the uh, decision-making, even consultation. And, you know, 2014, we had a much larger committee. So they haven't done it the same. And maybe, you know, maybe that's what we'll see here is there'll be some consistency um, in how they do it from, from a national team to national team. All right, Kevin, I think we lost Bob Duff in the middle of his uh, trip to Detroit. You're still there, though, right? I am. I'm here uh, in uh, downtown uh, Toronto, uh, um, you know, getting ready for, you know, a weekend of action. I mean, the semifinal games, I like the way they've done this. They, you know, having one on Saturday night, uh, you know, the Hockey Night in Canada-style tradition, making sure there's hockey in Toronto on Saturday night. And then Sunday, it'll be an afternoon game, and both will be carried uh, on ESPN, I think they should both be, you know, good games. I mean, we we concentrated on Canada versus uh, Russia, but the Sweden versus Team Europe game, you know, will be interesting. And uh, what I want to say about that is, is that I find that, uh, uh, you know, when Ralph Kruger was coaching in Edmonton, I really felt like he was a, a quality coach. Um, you know, very sort of professorial in his approach. A real, um, you know, brings sort of an intelligent style to the game. Um, you know, he's uh, uh, was a sort of modern in his approach, um, and I, I really felt he like he got a raw deal when um, he was let go. I just think you know the team that he was given simply wasn't good enough, and so now he's back and he's with Team Europe. And you know, one of the reasons I think they've sort of overcome um, this uh, uh, potential problem with a lack of chemistry is um, you know Ralph Kruger who. Uh, um, has uh, been able to sort of bring this team together and sort of unify it under the, the flag of, hey, this is your opportunity to show, represent your country, and in this case, eight different countries, um, and show uh, the, the type of uh, you know, hockey players that come from that. And each uh, player has a flag from his country on their uniform. So on one hand, you can say, okay, you know, they're not representing one com- uh, country, they're representing a continent, which I think does in my mind at least, um, sort of diminish uh, the motivation. You know, like it's, it's, to me, it's different playing for Canada as opposed to playing for Europe um, or playing for Sweden or playing for Russia. So I think that. But I think uh, Kruger has done a terrific job of bringing this team together. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, they make it a game. And I guess you would both agree that the key player here for them is Yaroslav Halak. And we've seen him before get hot. So the potential for an upset is not really out of the realm of possibility, right, Kevin? No, no, absolutely. And, and Kopitar is playing 24 minutes a game. I mean, you know, that's just phenomenal. And, um, you know, if you think back uh, uh, what happened in that uh, Europe versus uh, 
uh, team uh, or American game. I, I think uh, uh, Europe just played it really smart. After they got the lead, they just sort of rolled into like almost a pillbox in front of uh, the uh, the Halak, and they just wouldn't let any anyone through. And the, the Americans simply couldn't get to the net. And I would think we'll see that strategy employed. After the game, Kopitar came out and said, you know, it was really boring, but it was effective. And I think uh, <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that. Um, and, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll see that as well. Kevin, we're going to make our predictions here in a few minutes towards right at the end of the show. But I'm curious, does the uh, Team North America, does that team or slash format exist in the year's future for the World Cup? Well, you know, that's really fascinating. And here's my thought on it. I think it will because they, I think they, everyone who watched that realizes that, in, you know, that there was a lot of interest in what these young players could do. Now, the problem is, is, is this a special class, you know, that we were only excited about this team because it was so fast and they had, um, you know, Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel. Um, and that, it, you know, those were the guys that were sort of carrying the, the charge. Um, you know, that's a question we really can't answer. I mean, obviously those are very special players. And here's what's unique is both of those players would be eligible to play for this team again if they, you know, came around with another quick, you know, World Cup. So I would suggest to you that even if they are going to do that, um, that they would grandfather or at least say, look, you can only play for that team one time and then you're eligible to play um, for your varsity team uh, because I just can't imagine that um, every, anyone would be happy if Connor McDavid was, you know, couldn't play for Team Canada the next time we have a World Cup or if uh, Jack Eichel and um, Austin Matthews couldn't play for USA. So I, I think we may see this concept again. But I, I don't think that they would allow those guys to come back and play a second year, even though they, they would likely be eligible. Right. And then uh, related to that, and as Bob talked about earlier, I do think that USA is kind of in a transition when you have at least, you have several guys that would probably have a good shot to at least play on the, the quote-unquote national team here. Um, but, you know, moving forward and for the Olympics, Kevin, I, looking at your piece that everyone should check out, this team is going to have a different look. They're going to have some depth down the middle, which they really don't have right now. They're going to have some puck movers on the back end. So it all isn't lost for USA uh, moving forward, right? No. In fact, you know, not just depth at center, but, you know, really have dominant centers, which they, you know, they haven't had for a while. I mean, just to compare back to the last great World Cup team that USA had was in 1996 when the Americans won beating uh, uh, the Canadians in Montreal and that team you know the center ice group uh, included Pat LaFontaine you know Mike Madano uh, Dougie Waite and of course to, to win some key faceoffs, big Joel Otto um, and you know they didn't have Ronick in that tournament who had a contract issue with the Blackhawks and um, felt like he, he you know he shouldn't play and risk uh, injury so and that's different now where you know Joel Pavelski has to move from wing to center I mean he doesn't play center with his team um, and now he's the the USA number one center and then there's uh, Kessler and Derek Steppen is getting a lot of, of ice time and you know it, he's a very good player but you know he's not Taves and Kane. Um, he's not uh, uh, Ryan Getzlaff. He's not up uh, of uh, uh, the caliber of player that those two are. But Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel, they're they're the caliber that could 
play against those guys and not only hold their own, but they may win on some nights. So, you know, that's that's a game changer for the Americans. The fact that they're, you know, getting centers that will be the caliber of a Madonna, a caliber of a Pat LaFontaine or a Jeremy Roenick, and that'll change everything for them. Right. I definitely agree with that. All right, Kevin. Saturday Saturday night, we have Canada versus Russia in the first semifinal game of the World Cup. Who are you going with? Well, I, I'm I'm taking I'm taking Canada to go all the way um, in this. So I've got there you go bearing the lead, and we're supposed to let the listeners uh, guess. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm taking Canada in. Uh, uh, you know the first game, um, and, and you know they're just the best Canadian group that I've ever seen. And you know you would think that their their delivery would get a little stale, but to me they're getting better. So I'm taking them, and I'm taking uh, the Swedes. I I thought it was going to be a Canadian-Sweden final, um, and I, that's exactly uh, where I think we're going to end up. I definitely agree. And, Kevin, you look at the – I mean, you, the Canada, we all know, could feel the second team, and that would contend. But you look at their scratches for Saturday's game. It's Holtby, Claude Giroux, and Jake Muzzin, three uh, pretty much elite-level players right there. And to see that they're going to be scratched, it's like, you know, if those guys were – on Team USA, for instance, they'd be on top pairings, top lines, and you look at this team, and it's like, how how is anyone going to knock them off, really? Well, absolutely. I mean, the USA would love to have a center like Claude Giroux. Uh, you know, they don't have any anyone like like that, and uh, um, you know, therein lies uh, lies the problem. But you know, I. I, I just don't think that Sweden uh, getting the final will be able to give Canada a game. I love their defense and I love their goaltending, but you know their offense, they just don't seem like it's playing at the same level that Canada is and the same level um, even uh, in their overall game as well. Um, you know, It just seems like they're lacking a little something. It's hard to put your finger on because the defense is so strong. And Lundqvist was brilliant in the last game, even though they lost to the North Americans in overtime. So it's kind of like his NHL team, Kevin. You know, they yeah. maybe struggle. To, I mean, that. well, th- granted, the Rangers don't have a defense near as good as Sweden, but if Lundqvist is going to have to be the uh, the linchpin back there, he's no stranger to that. Kevin, quick question here before we, before we wrap up, because I'm obviously not in Toronto. What's the general vibe there with this tournament going on? Well, it's really big. Uh, you know, it's interesting to read the stories that it's, you know, not uh, registering on the Richter scale in the United States, which really isn't surprising given when it's being played. I mean, the pennant races are in full bloom, and we've got uh, NFL football, and we've got college football. You know, we're we're uh, up and running with the big dogs, uh, you know, now, so that's not surprising. But in Canada, here in Toronto, uh, you know, this is huge. There's a real big media contingent here from Canada and from Europe as well. A lot of European and media members are here covering this. So, you know, it, it, it's still, as it always has been, hockey's just a little tougher sell um, in the United States. And I think the timing, of course, uh, makes it a little difficult because, uh, you know, uh, America is more of a baseball uh, country or a college football country or an NFL country than it is a hockey country. They've made a lot of strides and the footprint has expanded, but still not quite there yet. 
Definitely agree with that. All right, Kevin, that'll conclude this episode of the Top Shelf Podcast. We thank Bob Duff from the Windsor Star for joining us. We'll definitely have to have him again, right, Kevin? I mean, after we lost him halfway through. Yeah, yeah, but. no, we, that, we'll do that. Bob is a wealth of knowledge, and uh, we'll have him on at some point. He, you know, he covers the, the Red Wings as well, so I really wanted to get into some Red Wings uh, talk with him because uh, I wanted to sort of start our – um, tour of uh, you know NHL training camps, but we'll have guests from other teams and over the next few weeks, and we'll talk about a lot of uh, different teams and a lot of different divisions. No doubt about that. All right, for all of our listeners, please check us out on sports.usatoday.com. Download and rate us on iTunes and download us on SoundCloud. We'll be back next week. Kevin, enjoy Toronto. All right, thank you, Jimmy.